0: the ancient times, there was no separation. The idea that you would have science that didn't include the activation, the conscious activation and application of sexual energy would be stupid. <laughs> just wouldn't it. There's, it wouldn't occur. You want to build a Merkut, which is you know, the original word for the pyramids. You want to build that? You can't do it without breathing sexual energy into it. I mean that
1: literally. This podcast, videocast series, is The Sexual Shaman Conversations on Sexuality and Spirituality. I am your host, Kenneth Ray Stubbs. This series is inspired by a book I envisioned, contributed to, edited, and published 30 years ago entitled Women of the Light The New Sacred Prostitute. This current podcast, videocast, is a series of conversations with both women and men of the light, all about sexuality and spirituality. Here we openly support all sexual orientations, all genders, all gender identifications, all races, all ethnicities, but not all creeds, such as white supremacy. Okay. Okay. I'd like to welcome everyone to uh, the Sexual Shaman podcast: Conversations on Sexuality and Spirituality. And my guest today is Nut Tmuok, Butterfly Dreaming, Uh, and uh, that's I'll (laughs) shorten that and call that call her Nut. To give a label, she is an ordained priestess in the Nubian Kemite tradition. And uh, first I want to explain how I met Newt. Uh, I wrote a book called Sacred Orgasms, uh, which later was compiled and put into a compilation with with Tantra publishers uh, as the essential Tantra. But when I first wrote it, it was Sacred Orgasms. And uh, uh, someone took an excerpt, a a a few pages, and put that on their website. Newt saw it. Uh, liked it, uh, emailed me, and we struck up a conversation and then a friendship, and, and began to learn about her background. Um, and so here I was uh, into Western Tantra, uh, although a lot of that influence had come from Tibetan Buddhist or Tantric um, Buddhist uh, traditions, uh, rather than the Hindu or India Tantric traditions, but my perspective was, was that probably many different cultures uh, particularly in more ancient times had included sexuality as a part, uh, ceremonially of the, uh, of the spiritual practice. So a huge general perspective. And what we were calling it at the time was Tantra. Uh, as a catch all term, we meaning you know, people into the spiritual growth and uh, looking at uh, uh, our uh, way, the ways that we could deepen ourselves, our sexuality and our spirituality. So, new context. And uh, uh, I thought, oh my goodness, I bet this, some sort of idea like this in an African cultural tradition. And so, well, I'm not going to be able to get to uh, Los Angeles easily, being quadriplegic. And so I invited Newt to come out here to Tucson, 500 miles or so away, uh, and to set up a seminar for her so I could learn about her tradition and how she was exploring sexuality and spirituality and whatever else she was exploring. So. Newt comes out, and one of the, I just want to give you, for those who were in the podcast or in the video cast version, uh, a, uh, a a sense of what I saw. One of the times she was coming in the airport in Tucson, she was walking over to the greeting uh, area, coming off the airplane area, and um, here she was uh, in, I wouldn't say full regalia, but she was uh, had a, a blue or a red shawl, I think it's blue, maybe green, uh, and sort of a, I think she has some sort of headdress on uh, with her, uh, as you see here on her forehead, her ankh, beautifully painted uh, or drawn. Uh, and the, uh, the way I would describe her is in like six words, tall, moving stately, and the colloquial expression, black and beautiful. <laughs> and she was a sight, she was a sight. Uh, and uh, so, uh, and we have over the years become very good friends. Uh, and when, so when she came out to Tucson, she picked up a, a stone before she went back to Los Angeles, her hometown. Uh, and uh, uh, she was really drawn to the Sonoran Desert and decided to move here. She talked about it. And one day I get up um, in a wheelchair, quadriplegic, and go into my kitchen. And was <laughs> nope, standing there. Uh, one of my caregivers, Richard, had driven his truck out to Los Angeles, Los Angeles, and picked up her belongings and moved her out here to Tucson, or as the Tohono O'odham people uh, I have to referred to the this as Tucson anyway, so Newt, welcome uh, <laughs> i uh, she is an awesome, awesome person. She is a uh, 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 I often go to her for her perspective. We have inter- different energetic patterns and she has different energetic abilities than I have, and I love getting her perspective mm. so New welcome. <laughs> that
0: was great. All right. So that, 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 is, that, that was great. <laughs> that,
1: that is my uh, imagery of one of your visits. You know, just whoa. <laughs> <laughs> that, <laughs> that kitchen in the
0: morning. You, you forgot to mention it wasn't just me, it was me, my then 12 year old son, and our dog.
1: <laughs> all right. <all> right you yeah.
0: <laughs> all snuck into your house in the middle of the night. And we yeah,
1: didn't. I had no idea, and <laughs> I I had to do a double thing, you know, am I awake? <laughs> she was standing in the kitchen. So, um, and oh we gosh. spent uh, many uh, Thanksgiving and, and Christmas times and other events uh, sharing food. Uh, it was not to celebrate any Christmas tradition, but that's when people got together and Thanksgiving time when people got together so we got together uh, uh, always some tortilla chips and salsa <laughs> so and
0: collard
1: green
0: it, sweet potato pie and I think
1: yes. you hot water cornbread too <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes she <laughs> turned me on to some uh, well you know it's, uh, I have a southern background in some of that food uh, although not so much sweet potato pie uh, but that's a it's yummy yummy so newt i would uh, really like for you to give us a sense of how you sum up uh, your perspective of uh, your nubian chemite tradition just have most people have part of the word nubian probably because it appears in movies but you're talking about a very very old old rich culture predating. Uh, uh, in fact, you were saying uh, that a lot of the pharaohs in, in Egypt w- had, uh, uh, we were associating with uh, Nubian culture to some extent. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it may, uh, I get the impression it may have been much more black African than sort of lighter skinned Middle Eastern at, the, at that time. Anyway, I'd just love I, to go into that a, a whole different. There were no lighter skinned Middle Easterners at that time. <laughs> Okay. that's a recent
0: development, like really? there just weren't. Um, how do I sum up that culture? in terms of Nubia, the reason that I always state it that way because I want to state that that first that influence is what gives us the grand culture that we recognize as quote unquote, ancient Egypt today um. Long before there was an Egypt, and Kemet or Tawui was what they like to call the nation when they got everybody together. When they got the upper, happy now called Nile River, which is the south, the southern part. When they got the upper together with the lower, which is the northern part, and all the lands to either side, there were unifications periodically throughout time, but they didn't last because you know if you ever tried to get more than three people to do anything. <laughs> for any period of time you know it doesn't stay for very long so imagine that with several dozen different principalities different cultures with their own lineages and their own desires to rule And yeah, they didn't unify very often but the influx that gave us the woof, that we recognize that's the Nubian influx. that's the Nubian influence the there's Nuba and there's Kush, um, which the vestiges of Kush are now in what's called Ethiopia and Eritrea. Those cultures are the, the word Nub in the language means gold. So the Nubians are literally the people who had the gold, <laughs> the people who knew where gold was, who had the knowledge of gold, who had the mastery of gold. Kush is where uh, there's also gold there, but there are the jewels and everything that made the wonderful eye makeup that we is so iconic. The jeweled crowns, all the ceremonial uses for using jewels and crystals as medicine. That's coming from Kush, which is further south. Everything in the culture, everything that they've left, and they've left a lot on scrolls and written in stone, chiseled in stone, they always refer to the times, the original times from their origin and they point that way south where Tanzania is now. So in terms of time, we're talking about a culture that's easily, easily 50,000 years old, easily.
1: fifty-five zero.
0: Five, zero, easily, because the deities, and I can say that because of the origins of the deities and I'm bringing it to sexuality, so I'm coming.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. I, the, the, general, the general perspective is it doesn't fit our uh, no. school textbook. No, uh, he, the school
0: textbook says still even in 2022, the school the Western, the American and European and Australian school textbooks say there's nothing in Africa of value except, you know, what they could steal. And now they've taken it all, there's nothing left. <laughs> you know, so the idea that there's this long, long, long culture that's written down, this isn't, I have no problem with oral story and an oral memory tradition. I, that, that would be just as valid to me. It just happens that they took the time to chisel this stuff in the stone in many, many different places. Um, so tracing what they say are the oldest energies and identities that they revere, there is an energy that we know as Hethevu in the west of Africa. She's known as Oshun. Here across the water, she's known as Erzuli. She's known as sometimes as Mommy uh, And the Greeks got a hold of her. She became Venus. The Greeks and Romans. She became Venus. She is this energy of fertility, of love, of sexual pleasure, of orgasmic fulfillment. That core energy, the root of her, comes from those way long, old, old, old days. The days she's older than the language that's used to speak her name. She's older than the name that's given to her. And that comes from those deep, at the mountains of the moon, what's called uh, Lake Victoria now, the locals call it Lake Nyanza. That area, that area where archeologists say the first iron was smelted in these very old pits in Tanzania, way, way back. That's where that energy comes from. No, that was over here. <laughs> <laughs> so so what here. Is this? Re- I'm,
1: reality and in, reality interruption. <laughs> keep keep going.
0: That's I apologize. I meant to stick a thing on the door. <laughs> but that that's the old old very deep origin of African life and civilization and possibly life period, as far as people are concerned, as far as us two-legged walking upright people. That's where this energy this deity that represents erotic fulfillment, orgasmic awareness, fertility of everything, not just fertility in terms of babies, but the land, growing crops, growing food, creativity, art. The owner of creation power, that deity is sourced from those old, old days. Days so old, no one remembers the language that they spoke. We just have a few figurines from that time. Or they're probably not even from that time. They're representations taken, you know, what's ancient to us. What we call ancient, they were recalling their ancient origins and fashioning together these figurines, and what they think was worship back then. Those are the roots of any kind of. It's hard to say that there is an African version of Tantra. What I teach, shet ti isn't ancient. It's given to me for this time now. Because in the ancient times, there was no separation. The idea that you would have science that didn't include the activation, the conscious activation and application of sexual energy would be stupid. (laughs) <laughs> I just wouldn't it, it wouldn't occur. You want to build a Merkut, which is you know the original word for the pyramids. You want to build that? You can't do it without breathing sexual energy into it. I mean that literally, I've been taught how to build it. You can't build them without breathing sexual energy into it and receiving and identifying that energy from the source materials you're using to build a structure. You can't do it without a physical and energetic, well, I say physical, an energetic Congress that precedes you building the structure. There has to be a coming together of all the elements, the people coming together to do it, the materials, the elements, and the energies being assembled or intended to be assembled in that creation. The same for math, the same for medicine, the same for there's a deity, Sekhmet, who is an aspect of that ancient love deity. We'll just call it a love deity. Sekhmet is the patron saint, if you will, of surgery. There is no surgery without sexual energy, without mastering sexual energy. No mastery of that? No, you don't get to cut people up. At least not in this not this society. <laughs> it's just, it's so elementary and so basic to take it apart and say, okay, now I'm gonna study this. It's the through line with everything. It's how you are able to function in a participatory, participatory society as, an, as a functioning adult. It's a mark of maturity. Erotic mastery is a mark of maturity.
1: That is a different view of history and spirituality than what I learned in the Southern Baptist Church. (laughs) Very different.
0: Well, this is before they wrote any of those things. (laughs) Yes. There weren't no Bibles being printed back
1: then. So could you give some sense of uh the ritual or ceremonial practices that, that was more or less uh, practiced or variations on that I'm sure it varied over culture over time.
0: Was, uh, yeah. I, and I'm not There's looking. a lot of variances. <laughs>
1: yeah. There's a lot yeah. of
0: variances, but again it's it's intertwoven in everything.
1: No, in that's important.
0: It's, it's intertwined. it's in everything. So there is no um we all know about the Amen priests. We don't know them by their name but they uh, kind of morphed into an organization that still claims that uh, source, the Masons. The Masons claim the Amen Priesthood as their source. There's a beautiful Masonic temple here in Los Angeles, right on Wilshire and Crenshaw, where Crenshaw ends in <laughs> Wilshire. I've passed it my entire life. And my entire life, there's this statues in relief all along this very white building. I don't think it's marble, but maybe it is. I don't know. It's very white, and it always is. And growing up here, going north, you get there, and you'd see these relief statues, and you, I could tell over time, oh, that's a story of where they came from. And the one that's the furthest all the way down on the corner is a statue of the Kemetic deity Amit.
1: How do you spell that name?
0: Amen. A M E N. The same way the Baptist.
1: Oh, oh, wow. Amen.
0: (laughs) That's where they got Uh, it. (laughs) All
1: right. Amen. Amen. Amen
0: Amen is the energy of revelation, but secret revelation. It's the hidden radiance, the radiance you cannot see, but that moves everything in the shadows, which you know is why the Mason's really love it. (laughs) <laughs> it's the secret society, it's the original secret society or one of them. We know about that energy, the secrecy and all of that, because they, they were really popular and they had a lot of political power at that time and since. But what we don't recognize is how interwoven erotic energy mastery had to be in those rights it literally is in everything there is you want to get to the hidden power where do you think it is, <laughs> where, is where is the true amen power in all of us it's not it's not in our heads <laughs> it's not in our heads we can get a reflection of it closing our eyes and meditating but that true hidden Revelation, that hidden radiance, that power that is so great and so big that it would burn our eyes to see it if it was revealed. That's that's in the groin. That's that is communicated through the groin, I would say. That's communicated through that the only parts of us that are designed to even communicate with such power, to even get a glimpse of that power. Those rites are about connecting there. So ancient rites, what we have, again, what we have is what's survived on stone and in things. A lot of what survived, because I guess they wrote a lot about it, were uh, rituals that were done or given, offered to soldiers coming home from war so that they could reintegrate into society. That was a big, that was a really important thing. Um, I wish we as a society would integrate more of that. <laughs> even some of it, even a little of that because it's a different reality to just come off the battlefield and be expected to you know, go buy groceries, it don't work. And every veteran in the States will tell you that. We don't have to go far to see what the problem is there. But so we have documentation of those rites and rituals involving several layers of sacred baths and time, time with temple priestesses. See, we always talk about two priestesses, but I'm sure there were priests in there too. This is not a a homophobic society at all, (laughs) so (laughs) there would have been everybody taking part, as was needed for the energetic reintegration of those warriors. So we we have evidence of that, and what we have that I really love, there's a lot of surviving love poetry from this
1: culture. A lot of surviving what?
0: Love poetry. There's a lot of love poetry that has been translated by various people into English, so you don't even have to learn, the, learn to read the language to get to it. Um, but if you can, it's, there's a, there, are several, there are several little books published of ancient Egyptian love poems, which to me gives me much more feel for the society, because reading about the, the royals and the high priests and soldiers, that's one thing. But you know, a woman writing poetry to her husband who's gone off to sell the harvest, and he, she's waiting for him to come back. <laughs> they haven't been married that long, and she can't she can't bear to be away from him. That tells me more about the society and how and the importance of the The fact that the love poetry survived means there has to be a lot of it. (laughs) There has to be a lot of it for it to survive enough for us to have it and have it reprinted in books here in our time. That tells me that just that knowledge of the art of love, the art of maintaining and extending love, And that energetic communion across space, a lot of those a lot of the poems deal with it's a common thing. my lover's away from me. And I'm writing these lines and I'm singing this song, and I'm communicating this energy to maintain the communion, to maintain the connection. The importance that tells me that that is a very important practice in the culture, that not just the royals and the high priests, But the farmers, the laborers, the everyday people, have a very high mastery of the practice of love. Emotional love, physical love, sexual love, spiritual love.
1: So the question that I have, a question that I have, is how to, those of us uh, growing up in contemporary society, with a whole different mindset, you know, cultural perspective than what you've just suggested. Uh, it was going back to some ancient, very ancient origins of uh, human incarnation. Um, where is there a way to learn that, to, to, to have more experiencing uh, in that? Uh, is, is that even available to us? Uh, other than reading books on ancient poetry. Yeah.
0: Well, reading the ancient poetry is a great start. Um, right. I, don't, I love books, I love reading, but it's not just that. There is an alchemy to the language. Language, Ntu that's what they call the language. There's several different languages, but the thing that we call hieroglyphics was called Ntu Those words mean the sound of divinity. And going to museums is the first thing I would say. Read your books, get them translated so you're not stumped. Find a museum, find an exhibit. Look upon these things that have been created. Everything that's in the museums that was put into, they usually come out of some kind of grave. (laughs) It's there for spiritual purpose. They are imbued. With def- definite purpose and living alchemy, go look upon them. Pull them up online if you can't get to them. Study. Just look at the first page of my website. <laughs> there's a beautiful, there's a beautiful, very ancient, sacred piece that's there, and it's there on purpose. <laughs> hmm. It communicates. Meditate, gaze upon it, listen to what it's striking up inside of you. It's not all. It's not so much about learning some foreign thing. It's about sitting with and recognizing what about this is familiar. What about this can I relate to? What about this speaks to me? Whether or not I understand it, what what is there something that I see that stirs? Me?
1: Uh, your website is orgasmicliving.com since you referred to it Mm -hmm. orgasmicliving.com if someone would like to pursue that further I have another question you uh, in our interactions in a number of times you're talking about this orgasmic core uh, and uh, as you know my I have a lot of interest in energetic anatomy, the part that's not physical uh, uh, and m- not visible uh, to, uh, to most of us, most humans. Uh, it's, it's not often seen with the eye, although some people might sort of have that experience. It, um, uh, many traditions talk about this, uh, the subtle energies, which are not subtle. Once <laughs> you put into them, they're not subtle at all. It's uh, just sort of, we're not familiar with them. We don't do uh, meditations and practices to enhance our uh, experience and expression of them. Could you speak more to that and uh, uh, related concepts to your orgasmic core? I forget what you call it, but it was something like that. Because uh, I, 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 in my own particular evolution uh, you know, of understanding of, uh, Energetic anatomy, there is a lot going up in that center. Uh, For me, it's been about two to six inches in diameter. Energetic currents uh, combined together, very different energetic structures. Can you speak to that uh, from your experience?
0: I can try. (laughs) Well, that's not true. I can't try. But I'm trying to remember what I'm trying... I know that's not the word I use. <laughs> so I do the word you used. I'm but... trying to, like, what's he talking about? Um, so I'm going I'm to push that to the side. Um, from my understanding, we all are working with at least seven bodies, And there is one point, I know you use the term source point, so I'll, I'll stick with that. There is one point that accesses all of them where they all combine and i'd have to stand up for video (laughs) it's it's below the belly button above above the pubic area and it's not i'm saying that on the physical body as just a point of reference yeah it's not that it lives in the physical body But as a point of reference, while we're in these bodies, it's useful. And in what I teach, I teach men and women to focus there. And we do our work. We ground there. And that is how, that's the way to access and consciously become aware of all all of the seven bodies and where we are with them where we are in our development with them. There are some of the seven bodies that really just don't give a crap <laughs> where we are in our development because they're more absolute than that. Can't, we can just kind of back into those. We can't really look head on to that. But even just becoming aware of that, that there is something like that, that we can identify, that each of us can identify. There is an absolute that we can identify as me. That there's a greater than me that is also me. And we can, through that point, through focusing on that point, I call it either womb centering or seed focusing. Focusing there, we can begin to become aware of and feel the truth of that, the truth of all of those bodies but especially that one, because here in, the, here in America and probably Europe and Australia, there's so much bombardment. I blame capitalism. There's so much bombardment on the idea of separation and that we are just little ants doing what we can to stay alive and get some good stuff along the way. And there's nothing greater in us that we don't have Innate access to greatness. Greatness is something that, you know, billionaires have. We don't have it. <laughs> you know, that's the messaging. And it's a lie. And I love revealing the lie of that. And that's, for me, that's like the, the funnest and first thing to do with helping someone become aware that first at that point is there. Mm. That we have this access point to infinity that we walk around with and we sit on every day. <laughs> and that there is a very easy way to access it and to play with. It, that you can play with. It's yours. You can play with it. You can play with your enlightenment. Enlightenment isn't this lofty, serious thing. It's something you can play with. We were meant to play. All of us are meant to play. All
1: right. Yes, I... Uh, I am I'm finding this very interesting because I'd never heard you speak before that I remember about that area. Uh, my observation in general is the, the two areas that we focus, that, that people focus from, uh, and the energetic areas, not physical. Mm-hmm. One would be in the head area, which is most common, but the one that I see uh, when I look at the energetic patterns of some traditional shamans uh, and um, uh, and some martial artists, they're they're focusing their energy from this abdominal oh, just, yeah. low, just low. And, and now I am hearing I, I never heard you say it. I don't remember you saying that before. In,
0: martial uh, arts specifically, that we learn that. We learn that power it doesn't definitely come up in your head. Nothing comes out your head that's gonna get you killed you, know, you, <laughs> you use everything up here as just information input the power the kick your punch yeah here. yeah you know? Oof! <laughs> so got, it's got to come from there they make us say that you know Whoa, bro. It's like, Oof! Oof! you know you got to get there you got to breathe from there you speak from there you punch from there
1: <laughs> and of course that's the physical expression but the energetic uh, focus. Well, it's the
0: physical exercise. Yes. To c- become consciously aware of the energetics. Yeah. Even in martial arts specifically, it's not about it's not about moving bodies. It's about aligning with energy. Yeah. The goal is that you don't have to move bodies, that your energy is powerful enough that they back off. <laughs> and if you do have to move bodies, you only have to do it once.
1: Well, this is very nice to hear that uh, something I had to come to uh, perspective quite independently of your tradition and saying, oh, there's another tradition tradition that uh, is incorporating, uh, uh, including a similar perspective. Yeah, I think that's the. I have
0: to think about
1: it. I know
0: there are ancient paintings of. Light radiating on it. <laughs> I've seen them. I have to, I have to scrub my memory, scrub my mind, and remember so I can get them to you. It's, it's, it's really basic. It's really basic. There are all the sign points in our body tell us that's where the power is. You know, it's why, it's why the church, the Christian, early Catholics, and whatever they got going on now, all of the variants, why they teach to be, be afraid of it. It's where all the power
1: is, yep, you not dependent upon the priest or the priestess or the pope to for quote liberation or abs- abs- absolution. absolution no. it's, it's all within
0: no, I even our concept of priesthood is, you know our concept of king and queen is different. It just, you know even using these English words kind of gets into trouble because it's not even I, mean, I don't know. Well, I kind of know. I know what they're doing, but I don't know what the entire purpose of the Catholic idea of priesthood is. Because it's got nothing to do with what I practice. Yeah. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with that. A yeah. lot about control or uh, creating rules, even. Creating, dictating morality. It's about revelation. It's about being a support and a servant for the revelation of those who I'm blessed to serve.
1: Mm. Well, What I'd like to do at this point, uh, given when I've read about podcasts, uh, keeping it in 20 to 30 minutes, uh, uh, what I'd like to do is uh, uh, do a part two, which will be a continuation for us. But the part two would be available on my website, sexualshaman.com. Uh, uh, and if you want to hear more of Newt, uh, um, um, please do join in. Uh, I, I mean, I want to go on and on and on and on. Now, turn it into a seminar for a couple of days here. Let's, <laughs> let's get the drum out or get the music moving and, and move it uh, uh, and whatever else. But uh, uh, Newt has an incredible amount of knowledge. She does teach seminars. Uh, and has individual. Uh, do you do, you do ind- individual sessions with people or seminars? Uh, Is it I known? hold
0: initiation.
1: Initiation. All right.
0: I accept. I accept initiates. I don't do individual sessions, and we can talk about that, or they can read it on the website.
1: <laughs> right, cool. I do
0: have some courses, I yeah.
1: All right. All right. Well, when we uh, come back for part two. I want to talk to you about uh, uh, what I learned uh, via you uh, about crystals, because uh, oh. uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you have experience, and I stepped into it, and you gave me some good fed feedback and perspectives. Uh, so, new moon, butterfly dream.
0: Mm-hmm. We didn't
1: talk about dance. Y'all better tune in. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even get to the dance <laughs> Butterfly Dreaming orgasmicliving.com. Uh, and uh, uh, I want to uh, say that for those of you listening to the podcast, if you would like to contribute, uh, this is a free podcast uh, and video cast. Um, would love for you to contribute. To, Click on the website sexualshaman.com at the "Be a Patron" button and follow that if you would like to contribute in some way. Uh, also, I would say uh, the sponsor, since we we're just beginning, uh, is basically my website, secret. Uh, excuse me, uh, sexualshaman, <laughs> not secret, uh, but sexualshaman.com uh, and the energy training where I go into conveying uh, uh, through a series of one-to-one courses uh, on ways of developing an energetic structure um, that we're both referring to in various ways. uh, But the inner energy focuses, which is uh, so important, uh, which to me helps me to transcend traditions and hearing about these are the traditions and saying, Whoa, what I grew up with was uh, a very limited perspective of our human nature and energetic nature. So Newt, thank you so much for joining uh, orgasmicliving.com if someone wants to go further uh, with you a study or ideas. Uh, and uh, she also appears in my documentary called "The Sacred Prostitute." Uh, um and um uh, from which uh evolved the term uh sexual shaman as a uh um broader uh, uh connotation uh and uh, so Nuke, anything you want to say before we come treat this part one
0: love yourself <laughs> just love love who you is. And anything you want to know will come much more easily to you.
1: Thank you very much, for everybody, for joining in. And part two will be available if you go to another location. And that other location is sexualshaman.com.